Nastavila na izvortam paršas matojs. Vortam da šlo kudeš. Tam da šlo kudeš. Gozan da putek, vijem se li me alfa jesru. Raši se zlaidi ahu švuhen šalroja jesru. Kam hajem haviv mal jesru. We see how much Klaisro loves their manhigim. Actually, show me be Until Klaisro heard that that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be nifter, what what did they say? Oid ma'atis kalini. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu is afraid that they're going to stone him. But once they heard that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be nifter, if they if they noikem nikmas midyon, then nobody wanted to go anymore until they had to. That's why it says vayim sirim alfa. They have to they have to give them over. They didn't didn't want to go have this mochuma if it could uh, hasten Moshe Rabbeinu's death. Come on, slow. So the Shlokhudish asks, why, if we're talking about the Shulchan Shal Yisrael and Shulchan Shal Roy Yisrael, why do we mention the fact that, that Klai Yisrael um, almost stoned Moshe Rabbeinu where he was afraid, Oid Matas Kalini? Right? We should just talk about the good part, that when they knew that Moshe Rabbeinu might be nifted, they didn't want to, they resisted going to Muhammad. Why, why do we have to mention the fact that until they knew that, they were about to kill him? But afterward, all of a sudden, they were, you know, they, they, they mentioned out. So he says something interesting, the, the Heidegger Shlokhudish says that when, when he didn't have Tarimus, when they have Tanus on a, on a Managis rule, on a leader of, 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 of the Eden, it could be coming from two places. It could be coming from Shlechtekeit, Shlechtemidus, you know, it could be coming from a bad place, or it could be coming from the fact that they're so close to the Managis rule. They feel so connected with them, almost like a father. And a father, very often people have Tanus on the parents, people have Tanus on the spouse, people have Tanus on the, on the children, on the closest people to them they have Tanus. Why? Because they're expecting more from those people. You expect from a Managis rule what you'd expect from your own father, and that's why they have. They have complaints. Moshe Bani actually says, Did I give birth to them? It seems that Moshe Bani also understood that if he would have given birth to them, then he would understand that they have a lot to complain about you. If you're our father, then you have to take care of us. He says that when when, when Yisrael showed that they didn't want Moshe Bani to be nifter, and that they really love him, and they're really dedicated to, you know, to, to whatever it takes to to keep him around, that goes to show that when they did have Tanis, it wasn't coming from a bad place, it was coming from Ahava, from closeness to Moshe Rabbeinu, seeing him as their father. Now, it's obviously an interesting idea. Um, there's a few things we can learn from it. One is that sometimes we don't realize how we treat the, ple- the people that are closest to us, and that it, it's, not, it's not to be justified and excused. On the contrary, we should see that, you know, sometimes you, the one you, you have the most complaints to is the one that's closest to you. Now, I know that the reason why you have that is because you maybe expect more of them, or because you're close with them where you feel comfortable and you're not, you're not, you let your guard down because this is your comfort zone because you're very close. But it just goes to show that sometimes we actually talk very nasty to the people that we love most. And when you see it in the Pusik, hey, what are they talking about? Okay, so we'll fan for that. Really, they love Moshe Rabbeinu and they show it in other times, but you know, it's, it's not a reason to talk like that to Omanik I think it's something we could all learn from and just you know, realize what we do sometimes. On the other hand, um, let's turn it around. This is one of those you know, flip side where we should be harsh on ourselves and, and demand more of ourselves to be nicer to the people that we're close with and not justify, well, we're close, so you should accept it from me, which people say sometimes. But on the, on the other hand, sometimes the other way around, yeah, when somebody's um, saying something to you, something challenging or something negative, you should understand that it may not necessarily be coming from a bad place because that person hates you. And the fact that the person wouldn't talk to other people doesn't mean that they care more for other people than for you. It means that because we're very close, they, they expect more from you and sometimes... Sometimes you should be doing more for that person. So it's just something to think about. It's just something to think about. Sometimes it's even more challenging. I mention this often. I know people have quoted me on this also. Sometimes the fact that you're nice to someone else and not to your spouse, or nice to someone else and not to your parents, that alone is challenging. In other words, if you'd be talking like that to everyone, okay, it's one thing, but only to me? You know, there's something to think about. 
you shouldn't rely on your closeness to someone, which automatically brings a certain expectation of someone, to justify why you're not being polite. It's not, it's not acceptable. On the other hand, it's not always coming from a bad place. Let's just, let's just put it that way. And yes, if you could notice where in one area at least somebody is very close and very dedicated and very loyal and very loving to you, let that be the sign of the real connection that you have with that person and the real feeling they have for you. And sometimes you have to learn to look away from those times where they were a little nasty or negative. So with that said, let me, let me, let me read an email that I received. Um, I think actually both points that we just mentioned are going to be very relevant to this. Okay. Thank you for everything, you assure me like a beacon of light in a dark world. Very few educators, speakers, etc. in today's world are educating with the right Torah Digashkofi. You are a true inspiration. The way you validate everyone and answer with such patience, it's amazing. Okay? Thank you so much. I have an interesting question. What does working on the Midos mean? How does one work on their bad habits and instincts? I grew up in a family where speaking nicely, Kvadabriyas, Derecheres, respect, were all things that need to be showed on the street. Could you have to be normal? But at home you can say what you like and how you like. Family members are not part of the people that you have to consider their feelings or respect them. This goes on between my parents, between my siblings, between the kids and my parents. For example, parents are allowed to yell but are constantly yelling at us children to stop yelling. As chinach. I never knew that other homes operate differently. It was only in the book that family members loved each other. Until a few years ago I made a new friend and a whole new world opened up for me. In that home everyone and everything was calm and peaceful. Children are allowed to feel what they feel and to express it. Everyone got validation and acceptance. It was so good to be there. And that's when I realized that peacefulness can be a reality. I wish I got married to a wonderful husband. We have a very loving, respectable, and honest relationship. But of course, all the bad influences and habits from my childhood came along with me. And I find myself losing my patience and being pretty intolerable a lot of times. I'm currently in therapy to work on all the crippled relationships and bad feelings that developed over the years due to a lack of understanding between me and my parents. But I think that it's also the bad midas and instinct to talk annoyingly and impatiently that needs to be worked on. But I have no idea how. I hope this email is somewhat clear, and please let me know your insights. Thank you very much. Okay. So, the the gist of it is that I grew up in a home where other people were treated nicely, but not the people at home. And I feel like I'm carrying that over into my, into my marriage and my current situation. So, th- there's a few things that I want to mention. Let's, let's call, break it down into three things. One is how you... Um, describe your past growing up, your house, your home, your parents, and things like that, and obviously all the influence that it, that it uh, left over. Okay? And then there's dealing with the issues at hand, and then working on yourself. How does someone work on themselves? So let's, let's start like this. Whatever it is that you've been through, whatever it is that anyone goes through, is all part of a plan. You have to remember that. It's all part of a plan. It's part of, it's part of what's going to bring you to where you are today. It's part of what... what builds and, and frames your, your future is it's part of a plan we, we don't decide where to be born we don't, we don't decide where to live and, and who to grow up with it, it's all part of a plan you have to remember that just recently I heard a, a, a saying of a Psach who always used to mention these words it, it, it's all going according to the plan whatever happened he would always say you know, when things were good or not good or looked not good he would always mention these he would always repeat the same words it's all going according to the plan we, we didn't know till now that, that that was the plan so now we're learning but it's all going according to the plan you know, very um, deep words, and it's something to think about. I remember meeting a friend a few years after I got married, and he started mentioning things that we, we some experiences we had together in yeshiva, like years before. And it, it, I, I guess I made some remark or some gesture that made it sound like, yeah, it was things of the past, like no, no big deal, not important, I barely remember it. And I'll never forget his comment was something like, 
You can't forget these things. That, that was what brought you to where you are today. So it, it's all part of a plan. Everything we go through builds us and, and, and basically dictates how things will be. And it's all part of Hashem's plan. We have to know that. So to look back and see it as like growing up in a mistake and now we have to fix the mistakes, it's all part of what Hashem wanted. Yes, your friend grew up in her home, you grew up in your home, and it's all part of the, a plan. That plan is dictating the present, the plan is dictating the future. It's not necessarily dictating your responses to the present or future, right? That's what we could all choose. But, but the, the circumstances and the situations and environments, that's part of a plan. Not necessarily could you choose everything that goes on in your life, um, obviously. That's first of all. So, you know, to look back and, and, and with resentment and, and see the home you grew up in in a negative light and, and feel like, oh, it was terrible, it was part of a plan. Just just makes things a little easier to accept. That's first of all. Second of all, the, the home that you're mentioning, where there was this two-face personality thing, where, you know, to other people were nice and respectful, but at home not. Let's just call it that. Um, obviously, it's wrong. I'm not going to make believe it's okay. But I think on some level, again, only on some, on some level, Everyone does this. I'm not saying again. It's not right. It's not. It's not right. It's not the way it should be. If you have, if you have to choose who to be nice to, of course it should be the people you love and the people you're close with. But similar to what I mentioned before from the Shlokudish, everyone does this on some level. Everyone behaves differently when you know it's like dress down day and you can do what you want and you don't have to be at your best behavior and you can let your guard down. Everybody walks home and kicks off their shoes in some in some respect and 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 speaks differently when they're. When they're in public, when they're in private, it's just just what it is. I don't think anyone would be okay with people um, 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 you know, taping their conversations and videotaping what's going on in their house. It's, you know, that's where you feel most comfortable. Now, of course, when it comes to an extreme, it's a problem. But on some level, it, it's not. It, it's to be expected, and we all do it, and everyone does it. Now, I don't know if when you're by your friend's house, that's why they're behaving differently because now you're there, and maybe when you're not there, things are a little different, or not. Obviously, everyone, everyone can be a little different. Some people are harsher, some people are calmer, it's all personality-based and upbringing and everything else. But there's something about it that shouldn't always be seen in such a negative light, where, where children often you know, see the, the dark side or the bad side of what a parent does at home and not somewhere else, and see it as a terrible fake and a terrible uh, you know, cover-up. A lot, a lot of it is to be expected. I remember hearing once of a Muhammad, he had a student, he had a Talmud, who this Talmud was a nephew. And there was an issue that this Talmud needed a place to stay for a week. The mother had a baby, I remember exactly what the circumstance was, and the first place that they thought to put this child was by his uncle, the Muhammad, his Rebbe. Why shouldn't he stay by his Rebbe? And his Rebbe didn't want. And what he told someone was that the reason I didn't want my Talmud in my house was because in the classroom it's one thing and at home it's something else. Obviously, I'll be laying on the couch with a magazine or whatever it is. I don't need my nephew seeing that. Now, I remember hearing a discussion about this situation where some felt that, hey, you're a two-facer. You, you, you do things differently at home and you don't want someone to see, like, hey, then you're not real. And somebody else mentioned a, a different perspective of, yeah, that, that's, that's normal. You don't want your student from the classroom to see how you behave in your dining room in the comfort of your own home so is that is that because you're a fake person or because that's how people are so I, I don't mean to say that this is okay if it, if it goes to an extreme and if somebody behaves at home totally bipolar or crazy or abusive and all of a sudden everyone else they're laughing and smiling or a spouse who doesn't exchange a word or gives a silent treatment for three weeks but on the phone is all jolly and happy to everyone else of course the, it comes to an extreme where there's two different people behaving it's, it's extremely hurtful but on some level, there's something about it that's not as um, terrible as, as it may seem. 
Now, we, again, we could all use reminders about this and hear about it, and it's good to talk about it and hear someone writing an email about it and realize well, maybe we do the same thing and, and, you know, it's good to work on. I'm not saying that not. It's, it's, it's true. Um, but it's, it's something that's not always as terrible as we think. Okay, that's just, that was just some insight. Uh, another thing that I want to mention about your past, it could be that your parents are to blame for all your negative tendencies and instincts. It could be that the way you grew up and the way you were treated is what brought you to having terrible midas. It could be. But very often, these things are overdone to an extreme. I can tell you to an extreme. Just recently, I was talking to somebody who was going through some personal challenges. Not, not, nothing to do with people around him, nothing to do with whatever. Personal challenges. And the person that he went to was, was pointing everything in the direction of, you must have been abused, you must have been not taken care of, and if you don't remember, it must have been before you even remember, and that's what made you develop this way. And this is so over, overdone and... and, and, and oversimplified so often to, to just blame everything on a person's parents. We all have parents. I think we all could notice or come up with where we think maybe our parents could have been better parents. I think almost everyone. Almost everyone could come up with where their parents could have been even better parents. But to say that every difficulty a person has, every shortcoming a person has, and every every chsuran and, and, and midaru a person has, is because, because his parents did something, even when it looks like it's true, I think it's very unfair. I think it's very unfair. Everyone could be a better parent. Um, but to, to think that you're always the problem and, and, and it's only because you didn't do things differently, that's why your child picked up on things? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I, I definitely think it's, it's people overblame others for their own struggles and it's always good to have who to blame it on. It feels good to know that it's, you know, it's not my thing. I mean, so often you look at siblings and you'll see how they grew up in the same home, same abusive attitude or whatever it may have been, and one took it better, one took it worse. One developed, uh, you know, more problems because of one less. So it already goes to show that it depends, you know, who you are and who and what you're dealing with. And yeah, it does have an effect. I'm not. I'm not saying it has no effect, but this is definitely overdone. And the reason why the reason why I'm mentioning this is because even when it is true, and even more so when it's not true, focusing on who did it and why they did it and look what happened and look what it left over, it doesn't help anyone. It does not help anyone. You feel like a victim. And often you justify what you're doing now and all the problems you're dealing with because, listen, you know, this is what I grew up with. It was my mother, it was my father, it was my grandparents, it was you know, all, those, all the things in my past. And the more you focus on that and the more you, you believe in that, the more you're justifying and protecting yourself and, and basically validating your own struggles that don't have to necessarily become resolved too quickly because, listen, I'm dealing with someone else's garbage, not my own. So again, I, I don't mean to be hurtful or dismissive of anyone's struggles or what people grew up with. There are people that definitely grew up in very abusive situations and it really did leave a mark. And everything leaves a mark. And we should remember this when it comes to our children. To be the best parents we could be and, and not take blame, but at least try to understand the implications of how we're going to treat our children. But not always to look back and say, well, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I did wrong. You know, it's like that old joke about the, the, the child who asked, who's the mother tells a child, you know, every time you don't listen to me, I get another wrinkle on my face. She says, oh, that's why grandma looks like that. Because you didn't behave, you know. You could always look at things how it pertains to you and how it pertains to someone else. You could you could look at a parent's um, parenting method of parenting and the way they treat a child and blame everything on that when it comes to you and your parents. Or you could do it the other way around and say, "Let me be the best parent I could be because I really don't want to leave over, you know, a mark on someone else's But but it's not something that I think focusing on too much is helpful. I also mentioned another thing that you know, based on what you're writing here, you're a very lucky woman, Bukhsham. You married a wonderful husband. You have a wonderful present life. And I think that's what you should be most grateful for and focusing on most. I'm not saying this as misses. I'm saying this because some people don't realize when they're dealing with a difficult past, but a good present, 
they still get so caught up in talking about the past and reliving the past and rehashing it and blaming it. They, they don't take advantage of what they're dealing with now. It's so much better to have, again, we shouldn't have to choose between these things, but it's so much better to have a difficult past and a healthy present than, than a, a healthy past and a difficult present. Now, I know somebody who had a healthy past might, might be more equipped to deal with a difficult present, but it's still you know, better to be in a healthy marriage. So all that said is just that you know, to, to see your parents as terrible and blame them and think about it and, and, and harp on it is, is just not good or healthy or helpful. That's, that's, that's that. Now, dealing with the present means that you're not going to look at the past and connect the dots all the time. And when you lose it every time, instead of saying, look, you see, this is, this is what my father did to me. Look, I just lost it at my husband. And basically don't see the problem with it so much because, you know, look, my, my father just did, hit my husband. It wasn't me. I was like, um, you, don't want, you don't want to justify unacceptable behavior. And, and very often, let me just mention this, it's very tempting to not let go. Very often when a person comes to that acceptance or decision to not mention the past, not think about the past, it's definitely, it definitely puts more responsibility on you to be a mensch and to be careful about what you're doing because you don't have any more of that, that thing. So, and very many people, they like holding on to trauma, they like holding on to problems, they like holding on to difficulties that they don't want to let go. It's, it's, it's something to lean on. So it's a crutch that definitely... And, and very often, very often this is what, again, not everyone, I know, and I, don't, I hope nobody's taking this wrong. What can I do? I don't have to say how I feel about this. You're asking me. Very often, this is what therapy does. A lot of therapists do focus on the past. A lot of therapists do validate the past and blame the past, and they make such a big deal about the past that it doesn't. It's not helpful. It makes people feel good. They like talking to the person who believes them and believes in them and doesn't blame them for things and 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 finds all the trauma and all the. But if the person is not get, helping you really get over it, get just get over it and move on, then that, very often they're not they're not really helping. Sometimes they're making things worse. You know, joke about the guy who, who used to he used to come to the restaurant and throw things and, and, and it was terrible and they kept telling you you can't you can't come anymore if you're gonna keep on doing this after a few times you got you gotta go help yourself. No problem, he's gonna help himself, he's going for therapy. Okay? A year later he comes back to the restaurant and the guy tells him, Oh, you're back, it's great, and you've been to therapy, yeah, for a year already. Wow, wonderful. Anyway, a few minutes later again he's tantruming and throwing things. He said, Hey, didn't you go to therapy? Yeah, I used to feel guilty when I did this, now I feel fine. So often what, what therapists sometimes do, I know not everyone, I don't mean anyone, is, is they harp on the fact that you were dealing with a lot of past difficulties and traumas and challenges, and, and it, just, it just helps you subconsciously be more stuck in your present situation because, look, I didn't even know what I was dealing with till now. Now, now that I know, I mean, how could I even help myself? So, what should I tell you? Very often, I, I see this in real life with, with people, very often people will write to me or tell me Similarly to what you're telling me, that you know, I'm noticing bad minutes in myself. I'm not behaving nicely to my spouse, for example, or to whoever it is. Do you tell that to him also? Or are you just telling it to me? Because you're comfortable telling it to me, because I don't know who you are, because you don't think I'll judge you, or I'll understand you. Is this something that you acknowledge at home? And if you yeah, it's very good. It's very important. This, this is very important. I once mentioned in a shir that somebody brought me something that he, that he found somebody who he was dealing with. Right? It was a long... Um, conflict going on between the two of them. And he found a paper that the other person wrote to himself, to himself, like a diary, journal kind of thing, which I'm not going into if he was allowed to look at it or not, or he found it or he noticed it. Um, I know that really I'm the one that instigated this problem. I know that I'm the one that could really solve this. I know that I'm the one that could resolve this. I know that I'm, I'm the one that's keeping it going, but, but what could I do? I, I can't let my friend or partner know um, that really it's not his fault. That was the gist of the writing. Now this is the person who was screaming bloody murder that you're at fault, it's not me. And all of a sudden you see that subconsciously the person knew it. 
So what I mean to say is that if you know that the things you're doing wrong, are you open with that to your spouse? I know it's not easy to tell your husband, you know, I, 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 I'm not nice to you. I, I have to work on my middles. But sometimes just saying it, just putting it out in the open, you could, whether you're blaming your parents for it or not, just, just putting it out there means that I, I acknowledge it. I, I admit that there's what to work on. So if I ever talk nasty to you, I'll know how to apologize. I'll know how to acknowledge that I shouldn't have done that. I'll know how to discuss it with you. I'll know how to make sure that you don't think that I really, that I really believe that you're at fault for my outburst. These are just very um, important tools to be able to... And sometimes people just can't, can't say it to the, to, to the right person. Sometimes you write it down. So there's easier ways to communicate it, but it's very important. Very important to communicate to someone the truth, especially when you know what you're dealing with. Um... A famous story, I think it was Rabbi Nisan He once saw somebody davening Shema Esra, and by the words "v'nafshi kofa la he kept on repeating it. "V'nafshi kofa la I'm like dust. I'm like nothing. "V'nafshi kofa la Later, the Gabon Shield didn't give him a liyah that he wanted or a kibbutz that he wanted. I don't remember exactly what the what the problem was, and he lashed out. He lost it. He lost it. How, how dare you not be mechavad me? How dare you give away my kibbutz to someone else? And Ben Snap just went over to me and said, you know, I, I just heard you saying when Avshikov the Kaltiya so many times. I mean, and then you go lash out when somebody doesn't isn't, doesn't respect you, doesn't honor you the way you wanted. He said, No, when Avshikov the Kaltiya, that was between me and Hashem. But me and this guy? No. And so often we do that. So often we know the truth and we'll even tell to our friend or our therapist or ourselves. But when it comes to the person that we're not treating nicely, that's where we won't admit that, you know, I really should not be doing this. I'm sorry. Now, one of the advantages of being open about it and knowing how to express it and, and apologize for it or just say, listen, this is a challenge that I have. I'm sorry that it keeps on coming up is that automatically it makes it easier to overcome next time. Because as long as you're not justifying yourself and always being right and, and always rationalizing why it was okay for you to do it, it just it, 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 it's able to stop quicker. So that's just on a, on a technical level. So that was, that was just... I was just trying to give some understanding of how to perceive the past and deal with it and how to deal with the present. Now, in terms of working on this, how do you work on a bad middle? First of all, I, 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 it's very admirable. I'll tell you the truth, it's very admirable to see somebody wanting to work on themselves. It's not a style. And I'm not saying this because I'm the greatest tzaddik that always works on myself and I'm happy to see other people do it. No, it's, it's admirable and I respect somebody who says you know, I have challenges, I have things that I should be doing better and I want to work on myself. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's not a style. It's more a style to blame other people and blame other events and blame other circumstances. And I said, listen, I'm absolved. It's not, it's not my thing. I remember I once walked into a swim store with after my chasana and I wanted to buy him a sizzashurim. And I asked the guy, what do you have in sizzashurim? He looks at me and said, are you a bukhara in your mouth? I said, I'm married already. Why? He said, it's not in style. So you're allowed to come in and ask for a missusizer. Bukhara in yeshiva, you know, they learn in yeshiva, they don't have a choice, they have to come by it. But uh, seeing a man walking in and asking him, he says, sure, it's not a style. Anyway, my point is just that, you know, so when somebody says, I, I, I know I have to work on my character traits and I want to work on it and help me out, I, I, I admire it and I have to mention it. It's, it's, it's not a style. It's nice when somebody says, I have to work on myself. Now, working on a nature or working on, you know, negative character traits is something that's not easy. I got a, wrote a cipher on this. And I'll tell you why I wrote it, because I, I wrote a book on relationships where I talk a lot about personalities and how so many, so many things people do are personality-based. Now, obviously, it has some effect of where they grow up and, and nurture and things like that, but a lot of it is nature. And it's very hard to overcome your nature. And when you're dealing with someone in a relationship, you have to know who you're dealing with and what to expect of them and to know that you can't change anyone's nature and there's a way to understand people and deal with them. So a lot of people have complaints to me. Wait, you can't change your nature? So what does Avoid Sauda mean? What does Shvira Samidas mean? What does Shvira Sateva mean? And that brought me, that inspired me to write a whole cipher on this, 
and compile all different sources where you see that, no, we're not expected to change our nature and not necessarily change our instincts or change the natural way that we do things or the way we think or perceive things. We're, we're expected to break our nature, not change it. I talk at length about what that means. Uh, I'm sure there's better Mrs. Surah than that. I'm just mentioning that, yeah, it, it's a big sigir. It's a, lot, it's a big topic to know how to overcome challenges and middas and things like that. And one of the things that you want to do, first of all, is find a book or a cipher or, or a sheet where somebody talks about this and learn the topic of how to overcome um, difficulty and work on yourself. It's not, it's not, there's no one-line answer. It's, it's not easy at all. Um, trying to work on yourself, and that's something that I dedicate a whole, a whole pyrrhic to, just trying to work on yourself. Trying. However it is. However you're going to try. Whether it's baby steps or, or kabulas, you know, resolutions, whatever it is that you try to do is tremendous. Very often people try and they work hard on themselves and they, and they aren't necessarily successful. Because it's very hard. Just trying alone is very, very good. I, want, I saw recently an interesting touch on, on the Vertej. You got the Mitzvah Tarman. Chazal tell us. You got the Mitzvah. Somebody says that they worked hard and they, and they found, they, they achieved. Tarman, you should believe him. You got the Velem Mitzvah Al-Tarman. Lo, you got the Mitzvah Al-Tarman. So I saw a, a, a nice touch. It says, you got the Velem Mitzvah Al-Tarman. Somebody says, I worked hard. But I didn't, I, I wasn't successful. Don't believe him. Now, what does that mean, don't believe him? Don't believe that he worked hard, don't believe that he wasn't successful. Why, maybe, maybe there's such a thing. And the, the answer is that, no, you got to limit to... If somebody says, I worked hard and I, didn't, I wasn't successful, don't believe him. He was successful. Working hard is a success. Working hard is a success. If you try very hard to help yourself and better yourself and work on yourself, you are successful. That's a success. You don't always get to where you want to do. Maybe, maybe you could have a better mahalach how to do it. Maybe you could learn more, more ideas and more tips and help, have someone help you and guide you. But working on yourself is, is already a success. And nobody should get discouraged or, or you know, feel bad about the fact that they, didn't, they weren't yet successful and they can't overcome every challenge and they, weren't yet, they didn't get to where they wanted to be. That's, that's one thing. Another thing is that challenges, especially when it comes to midas, especially when it has to do with a person's nature, it's ongoing. It's not like you're looking to succeed in a certain thing, a certain endeavor. You know, I'm going to learn something, I'm going to, I'm going to know something, I'm going to get somewhere. You know, this is ongoing. People will, will challenge your tolerance level and challenge you in very many different ways. And, and it takes a lot of work to be ready for it and to really tolerate more and to be prepared for it and to not get caught off guard. And, and it's going to keep on happening in different ways. There's no way to know where it's going to come up. It's not easy. Avoid this. I mean, this is, is very hard. And, and Sadiq talked about this as something that could take years and years, just, just one minute to, to work out. So, there's no quick fix. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of understanding, um, and, and you don't want to, and you don't want to be harsh on yourself for not yet getting to where you wanted to be. That's that's first of all. Now, I think the best way. Let me just say this: the best way to work on yourself, as you call it, is to learn from your own mistakes and experiences. I'm not going to repeat the Tversky joke that I mentioned a lot of times, but the idea is that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall through, but to do the same mistake every day—that's a different story. So if you see certain places, certain areas, what happens when, when this happens? What happens when my, my husband tells me this? What happens when my child does that? What happens in the mornings? What happens in the weekends? What happens if you could learn from the pattern and not make the same mistake every day? That's, that's very big. That, that's very important. That's very important. It's a shame to see people that just don't, they just don't look back. They just don't connect the dots. Yeah, every Arab Shabbos is stressful. Did you, did you notice that yet? You didn't, you didn't get it yet? You know, every night, every evening, every supper time, bedtime, every morning, when, or when I go to sleep late, that's when... Oh, so you didn't realize yet? So why does it keep on happening? Now, I'm not saying that that's called working on yourself. I'm saying that before you even work on yourself, at least notice what's going on. Know where you should work on yourself. Know what ticks you off. The parts of it that you could avoid. Sometimes self-care, just, just make sure that you ate or that you slept or that you drank something. 
And there are parts of it that you can't avoid, but at least you'll know them, you'll be prepared for them. It's not as spontaneous as you think. There are patterns that go on in our lives, and when we're ready to acknowledge them and accept them, then, then very often we could, um, you know, that alone we could, that, that could be very helpful. Now, you want to be reasonable with your goals and your expectations of yourself, like I said. You don't, want to, you don't want to assess your success based on overcoming every challenge and never losing it. You know, it's okay for a person to, to make baby steps and to uh, work on yourself slowly. Set yourself small goals. Today, I won't raise my voice. The next three hours, I won't raise my voice. No matter what. Even if I'll be nervous, I'll be angry inside. But I won't raise my voice. And that will be tremendous. Even if I'm not going to be this um, calm, smiley mommy that I wanted to be. Just just make a small, reasonable goal and work on it for a few days in a row, a few weeks in a row. How long it takes till you feel that you know, this is what I got. I, I, I got somewhere. And that's how you work on yourself. Now, part of working, let me just mention two important points. You have to be okay to behave differently than you feel. Now, sometimes people take this the wrong way. There's, there's a shtickle piece that's where he talks about Nachshur Savraich, and he talks about some people how they, they never really worked on themselves. They just cover up a lot of a lot of negativity, which means similar to what you were mentioning about you know having a double face. Some people, when they go outside in the street, they're ashamed to scream at people, even though they're very angry at other people, and because of that shame, they'll hold themselves in. What happens? They get older and they're less ashamed. You know, the Zaida. He's less ashamed. Now he can say what he wants. Nobody's going to answer him back. And now he starts screaming that which he always wanted to scream. It was always on his mind. And he talks about that. Sometimes people are just holding it in and not giving it out. But really it's all there and he's not helping himself. not working on it. That's one thing. Some people think but that the... So the goal is to really be calm and accepting and never be nervous. That's not necessarily a reasonable goal. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to not like something. You, you may not achieve that, that serenity and calmness and acceptance of not caring what goes on around you. But what you, have to, what you do have to accept is to be ready to behave differently than you feel. This thing is bothering me, and not because I'm ashamed of showing my true emotions, I'm holding myself in, I'm holding myself in because I know that even if it bothers me, I'm not going to let it dictate how I behave. I'm not going to let my emotions take me over and, cha- and, and, and decide what I'm going to do now. My behavior, my behavior and my feelings don't have to always agree. That's not called hiding. That's not called pushing down the road. That, that means that I'm teaching myself that when something bothers me, I don't have to give it out. I don't have to let it take me over. I'll talk about it soon. I'll write it down. I'll deal with it. I'll discuss it with someone. I'll vent. I'll do a lot of things, but this not. This is something I don't do. I won't raise my voice. I won't scream at my spouse. I won't... I, I won't uh, whatever it is, this I won't do. And that's, that's an achievement. That's definitely an achievement. When somebody could slowly be able to... Now, if you could even think differently and train yourself to perceive things differently and notice things differently and, and realize that when somebody says something, to realize, yes, to cognitively repeat in your mind, no, that, that person didn't mean to hurt me. I don't think that person meant to hurt me. That wasn't coming from a bad place. If you can get yourself there, at least to think it, even before you feel it, but slowly process things better, that's even better. But even before that, even when you do think the person wanted to provoke you or make you nervous, and you still decide that, no, I'm not going to let that feeling dictate how I behave because it's not right, and I don't want to lose myself, and I want to be more in control of myself, That's that, that, that alone is a, is, a, is a lot of work. One more thing is that sometimes you have to accept the price of what it's going to cost to work on yourself. Sometimes people don't realize that, okay, I want to work on myself, I don't want to scream, but I can't handle that we're late. I can't handle that this is a mess. I can't handle that my child's not ready. I can't handle that somebody didn't keep a word or wasn't reliable or reasonable. Or I can't handle that, that somebody's going on in my house. I can't. Well, if you can't handle it, then it's going to be very hard to deal with it the right way. Sometimes you have to accept the fact that, yes, this is going to bother me, and I don't like it, and I accept the fact that it might be this way, and once I'm okay with that, I can try to make sure that I'll, I'll behave differently. In other words, as long as it's bothering you too much to accept, and you're going to try to work on yourself without, without accepting the fact that it might not be the way you want, you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to fall into a ditch somewhere. 
because you really wanted to leave on time and the person's still not ready. So as much as you're controlling yourself, you're going to plot because you, you didn't accept the fact that it might not go the way you want. So sometimes wanting to really work on yourself means I accept the fact that this will bother me. I accept the fact that it's not going to be the way I wanted it to be. I accept the fact that if I would have had a magic button, Hashem would have gave me, I would have made things different, but it's not that way. And now let me try to work on myself. So that's just a few small ideas. Now, of course, working on yourself is always in baby steps. And it's always appreciating the progress. And it's always being okay with the fact that you didn't yet accomplish everything you want. And you're not going to berate yourself for not being a perfect per- person yet. And of course, ask Hashem for help. There's only so much we could do. We are limited. As much as we, we know that we can overcome everything, as much as we have Bechira, as much as we... We're still limited. We're very limited. And you ask Hashem, Hashem, give me the Koyach. Let me hold myself in. Let me work on myself. Let me better myself. Let me have more tolerance. Let me, let me fi- let the people in my family find more favor in my eyes. Let me be a better person. And let me celebrate every time Hashem helps me and thank Hashem for it and celebrate the small achievements and I will get places. So I hope that wasn't a long uh, misadrusha. That wasn't my point at all. Let me just recap. Looking back and talking about what your parents did and seeing your parents um, um, you know, damage and noticing it and going, and going for too much help for it and, and seeing it, that, that's definitely, a lot of that is keeping you stuck. Let me just mention that. You work on the present, you deal with the present, you try to be a better person, and you acknowledge where you're messing up. And you try to work on yourself very slowly. And with Hashem's help, we'll be nice to the people around us. And we'll treat the people around us the right way and not, and not, and not um, abuse the fact that we're close enough for comfort. And I will be able to live together, work on ourselves, better ourselves, and be the people that we want to be.